Hello, everyone. Welcome in for checking TV. We're on season one, episode six here. Welcome in. Uh, getting through the playoffs here. More teams being eliminated every week as we go here. So we're ready to talk about it. Joining me as always is Doug. We got Scotty missing from tonight. He's got some other other things going on with his sports world. So we wish him the best of luck. We got the hockey troll joining us here tonight. How you doing, man? Good, man. Good, man. Thanks for uh <clears throat> Thanks for the invite. I didn't know that I was a uh, a substitute for for one of your regular guys, though. So I, no, I get not it. At all. We I have mean, we have a special guest every week. So you are you are a special oh. guest this week, man. Oh fuck yeah, I'm coveted. That's <laughs> absolutely. So let's get into it. Let's start um, where where we're at. Let's just cover the one series that's playing right now. Uh, it's three to one, Tampa Bay over Carolina. Um, Carolina's got to win tonight to remain in the playoffs. So let's discuss this one. How it's looked so far. Um, you guys take it away. Let's see what we got. Well, I mean, <clears throat> first of all, Tampa Bay, I had counted them out against Florida in the first round. Uh, they shoved that, you know, right up my hoop. Um, <clears throat> and then I was like, okay, well, maybe Carolina. Maybe Carolina can uh, can get one over on them. But they absolutely look like world beaters after after taking care of Florida and quick uh, – in, in, in pretty quick order, and honestly, the, the some of the games that Tampa Bay won in that first round were not particularly close. So I've got Tampa here. <clears throat> Doug? Yeah, I mean, I'm also going Tampa. Um, the big thing that I keep saying is I don't think there's a single team in the re- remainder of this playoff that can touch their depth scoring. Um, I mean, your center depth down the middle, I mean – is crazy because you have like Braden Point, Anthony Sorelli, Yanni Gord, and then I think Matthew Joseph centers the fourth line. But like it's even crazier because like they've finally gotten so deep that Stammer can just play wing. And that's something that is just so dangerous. You know, I like I've talked about this before when I've gone on um gotten into like leaf stuff like at some point, John Tavares is going to have to play the wing. It's just with Stammer, he's doing it probably five or six years, five to seven years earlier than he probably needed to, but it's going to benefit him in the longevity of his career in the long run for, for sure. What do you what do you guys think of the whole cap manipulation <clears throat> um, debacle? I mean, Kucherov, who's like a what? I mean, he's like a nine million dollar player, right? I mean. Um, whether he's getting paid that or not, he's definitely over cap. Uh, you know, they, they, they say he's, he's hurt, you know, a month before the playoffs, he's still hurt, but he's like, quote unquote, slowly coming back. And then, he, you know, playoffs start cap doesn't matter. And then boom, everybody's just like full steam ahead. Um, and this has happened before, like with Chicago, but I think this is a pretty egregious example. Uh, you know, that they, they're playing by the rules. They really are, but mm-hmm. it's a little shady, you know? Yeah, I think that it's a lot shadier than uh, the Chicago debacle because, you know, obviously they've done it with more than one guy. Um, you know, like Hosa is probably the most memorable one with like literally they, they described it as this like weird skin infection, but like literally it's like Mary and Hosa had eczema. Like, that's all it was, you know? And then, well, like, I had heard though that that was actually a pretty bad thing whatever it was really? uh, i i had but um <clears throat> who who actually knows i mean yeah to your to your exact point like i'm not i don't know but 
I like you said, this is a pretty egregious one with with Tampa Bay, right? I mean, you're thinking this is probably the worst in in recent memory, right? Yeah, probably just because of like the players they were able to bring back with um, the cap savings they had. Because you know, at the time that they made the decision to put Kuch on LTIR, they had no idea what they were going to do with Sergeyev or Sorelli, and right. that's two most important depth pieces. <laughs> um right there and they were able to come bring them back and i mean honestly though like it's played by the rules i'm sure it's going to change at some point within the next cba but um i mean for instance i wouldn't be surprised if penguins did it next year with malta you know because he's getting his knee done um he just got his knee done and if things don't progress right away where he can't play like in like november by november i, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they just LTIR'd him in August and brought in a couple other guys to fill fill holes. Well, at that point, it'd be absolutely egregious, and yeah. they should make immediate action and probably just force the whole team to fold. You know, move the team out of Pittsburgh, just or just dissolve it all together. You know, we're, we've got a new expansion; just dissolve it. You know, knock the arena down, make it a <laughs> make it a, a multi-story parking garage. God knows that fucking town needs more parking. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I had to get you going. The uh, the league's uh, the league's punishment would be uh, they have to trade Jake Gensel to Anaheim for Nick Deloria. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Not to get off topic either, but uh, if, if everyone's watching the game, um, what a great save on the uh, shorthand by Vasilevsky, and then Braden Point made Nadelkovich look like he was on butter and on power play goal. So. <laughs> And they got an, and they have a Carolina's got a power play coming up because Tampa's on a delayed penalty right now, one nothing oh, Tampa. That's it's crazy, That's man. I just don't think anybody's going to stop, stop be able to stop the Lightning. Go ahead, troll. <clears throat> yeah, they they look really good. Um, you know, but what about Colorado? Which I guess that's our that's the next one we're going to talk about. That's our next right? one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's let's do that. We're tied two two. Um, Colorado and Vegas. So let's go ahead. Let's do it with that one. Uh, I, I, st- I still have Colorado here. I just fucking can't stand Vegas. They were handed, they were handed just as many favors as the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, to get their team off the ground. And, <clears throat> you know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's the fans are insufferable. I really just have no patience for fucking Vegas or their fans. Uh, I know that's like super probably, uh, I'm probably in the minority in that because, you know, they do such a good job with their marketing and everything, but yeah, I've got Colorado here purely out of hate, uh, but also they look good. I mean, McKinnon is insane. Um, I saw a meme that he is what Matthews and McDavid should have been in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, good for him. Um, they have a lot of depth as well and their blue line is stacked, right? I mean, Gerard, McCarr, um, I you know a lot of offensive tools back there. Plus, former cap uh, Grubauer hanging out in net Vesna Vesna finalist there this year. So we could have used him, but <laughs> yeah, I I still think Colorado has this. Um, you know, Nathan McKinnon is in the midst of one of the best individual playoff performances we've seen in years. Um, I think the only thing that like comes close, at least in recent memory, is probably 
the early 2000s duck teams with uh, Paul Correa, where he would like literally just drag the ducks kicking and screaming through a couple playoff rounds. But um, I mean, I don't know, man. I want Colorado to uh, succeed. I want them to win because like Troll brought up with their defense, their defense is stacked. Um, And then their third pairing, whenever everybody's healthy, is going to be Bowen Byram and Connor Timmons, which is unbelievable just in terms of like depth and drafting. And I mean, the fact that the uh, abs that Joe Sackick was able to turn a disgruntled and angry Matt Duchesne into Bowen Byram and Sam Gerrard is just nuts. Yeah, no doubt. I feel like I'm kind of biased as a as an ass fan, but you know, I obviously want them to win. I mean, I feel like though, because you know, I'm more than just a fan of, of one team, as most of, I know Doug especially knows. I'm not necessarily a bandwagon, but I I can I root for other teams that are in just mostly the hometowns most of the time. Um, Colorado is my team, but I feel like if Vegas would move on out of that series, that would be the team I would ride rooting for for the Stanley Cup. Like whoever's coming out of that West is who I'm rooting for for a Stanley Cup, whether it be Colorado or Vegas. Honest to God, hope it's Colorado. But if that's not the case, I would ride Vegas just because, I don't know. I, I have a strong disliking for, for Boston, which we're going to get to next. Um, <laughs> I I was okay with Tampa last year because they were playing Dallas because um, I don't like Dallas either. But this year, I don't know. I just – I think somebody else should beat Tampa. That's just my opinion. Um, I think somebody can. They just got to figure them out, and that's the hard part. You know, <clears throat> about Tampa, though, I mean, if they go back to back here, I mean, that's two asterisk cups in a row, right? I mean, that does that equal one cup? Does that equal 1.25 cups? Like 1.37? I don't know. I don't think that they're full. I mean, I think last if last year was an asterisk cup, this year is definitely an asterisk cup, right? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say they were as bad as lockout years but pretty damn close with like a 50 games, 56 game series or a season. So uh, I don't know. What are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, we, um, I know Doug and I have talked about this before being, even if they would go back to back, I'm just going to do this real quick. And then Doug, you can go. Um, even if they would go back to back here, come next season, Tampa's got to make, Tampa's going to have to make moves. They're going to have to, they're going to have to dump some people to be within the, be within the cap. So, and obviously we've talked about who they're going to get, who they're going to have to lose in the, expansion we've talked about the issue with them having to try try to trade what they can to give up tyler johnson um but tampa's not going to have all the weapons they have currently if with the cap the way it is next next season they're gonna have to give some people up now i know doug said there is some talent in the minors they're gonna bring up but still they're not gonna have the current guys um that they have all together doug go ahead yeah i mean they're gonna have to do a lot of finagling but i think that you know, similar to how JT Miller got unloaded to uh, Vancouver, somebody's going to give you a legitimate asset for like someone like Yanni Gord. And then, um, you know, I mean, Tampa has the ability to just trade Seattle a shitload of assets to take on a bad contract or two, you know, because, and that's the thing with like, Teams like Toronto, the Penguins, Tampa, they have the ability to do this. Now, the Penguins, not so, not as much because, I mean, Jim Rutherford literally nuked everything they had in terms of, like, trading assets because, of course. But um, 
you know, they Tampa's going to have the ability, like both Tampa and Colorado specifically, specifically are going to have the ability to get rid of the guys they need to get rid of to succeed big picture um, just because of the trade assets they have, because of how much, how well they've done it, like home growing talent. They haven't had to make a ton of trades. Um, notably, the only big trades they had to make that they've made in the past like two to three years were getting uh, Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau. And that was pretty much it. I mean, the Savard trade was big, but like it, fu- it fulfilled a need, you know? Right. <clears throat> Fair enough. I just, uh, I just wanted to know if you guys, well, do you think it's an Asterix cup or not? Is this, is this year an Asterix or no? I mean, here's the thing that's tough. It's like, if they do go back to back and it's another just like Monopoly cup type deal, I mean, that looks obviously they're going to say it looks great on their resume because they have two cups, but like to the public eye, man, that, that looks really shady because they won. They finally won in the pandemic, which I was making the joke all last summer. They were finally going to run it back in a pandemic when nobody could be around them because of course, you know, because like for, for at least eight years now, we've been talking about Tampa Bay as this team who, it's just has the potential to be a complete dynasty and they never put it together. Right. Um, and I mean, I would say this is an asterisk cup because even though it was legal, they commit, they committed cap circumvention to make it happen. So, you know, it's tough. Fair enough. I know the, uh, the next one we wanted to go on before we get to the embarrassment one, uh, let's talk Boston and the Islanders. Uh, they're three, two right now for, in favor of the Islanders, which I know some of us didn't expect. Um, the Islanders playing them very well compared to, um, the last series Boston had Boston kind of took advantage of that series. And then this series are having a little bit more trouble. Um, so let, let's touch on this one here with the Islanders up one game right now. Could they close it in six or is this going to seven? Man, <clears throat> uh, my bias says they're closing it in six, but my, my brain probably says this goes to seven. The <clears throat> so the, the big the big thing here is that Boston is not a team that is you know at this stage of their of their franchise is, is going to lay down and give you a, a game. Uh, I just I think that they're too they're the same shit, man. Every every game you play against the Boston Bruins, you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's just varying degrees. Um, you know like a standard deviation of like 0.5, like a half, a half a notch better, half a notch lower. I guess in some cases you could have those games where they stand out and they're amazing. But um, I think that honestly, Barry Trotz has basically just come in and worked his magic on the Islanders. And I think they're going to take this series either in six or seven, but would love to see it in six. I don't think that the, I think that the, and this is going to sound totally ridiculous, but whatever. Uh, I think that of all of the, all uh, there's two things of all of the series that the Capitals have lost in recent memory. Uh, so like the past decade or so uh, this one, I feel the least bad about. And I also think that we lost to the worst opponent that we've played or that, that, that has kicked us out of, of a playoff in uh, the past, probably 10 years. So the, my reasoning behind that is that Boston's a top heavy team, though they are starting to get some secondary scoring. That's great. But, you know, 
you can't you can't win with one stacked line. Uh, it's very rare that that ever happens. Uh, you know, past what like the '60s or '70s. So <clears throat> they're kind of playing an old, just the way that their roster is designed, and and how they've got uh, the lack of scoring um, that in the in the top or in the in the depth uh, chart. So that's that's one reason, and then you know, two the reason that I don't think that we're really it was a bad beat was because the caps were super injured in the first, in the first uh, round. So, so anyways, all that to say Islanders Islanders in six or seven. Yeah. I'm going Islanders in six. Um, I want to see the roof pop off the Coliseum and most importantly, the content guy inside of me needs more Frankie Borelli going batshit crazy about the Islanders. <laughs> I, I love it. I think it's amazing these live streams that they've been doing where he just goes absolutely nuts are incredible. (laughs) Like for instance, my brother texted me and he was like, like during the penguin series, he was like, Oh, I couldn't watch the game, but I knew that they lost because I was on Twitter and just saw Frankie Borelli screaming. (laughs) And that was the, that was the Jari double OT game. And he was like, so how bad was it? And I was like, well, how much time do you have? Because I'm, Dude, that was that was a bad night. We recorded it right after that game. And you might have to go back and look at it because normally I'm calm and reserved, but I went like complete me- completely mental on o- over Tristan Jari. <laughs> Wait, so are you not are you not happy with Jari's performance? I mean, I just well, I'm just not happy that with how we got here with the fact that Jari had to put on that performance. You know, I was a very big future. No, I was a very big supporter of the other goaltender. Oh, Matt Uh, Murray. Yeah. I was a big Matt Murray guy. I think that. Yes, you were. If you, if you put Matt Murray with the defense, the Penguins had, they at least beat the Islanders. But I look at more to, to the Doug that, when you had, I'm not going to throw back to this because I don't agree that with, with with anything I'm about to say. But when you had Flurry and on the Penguins, okay, oh no, Flurry was choking. Obviously, Murray was yes. the better goaltender. Yes. But in any case, even if you're not talking about the Penguins, when you have two solid goaltenders that obviously they all have their off days, Flurry, we call them Flurry days, you know, where he flurries a game. Um, do you think that Murray, just like any other goaltender, is would play is playing more competitively because he has to fight to earn that spot as a starter over a goaltender that's been that goaltender, the number one for how long now? Murray might have slacked off a tad because he didn't he knew his competition was not good enough to take his place. So this is my response to this. And I think anyone would tell you anyone within the Penguins organization would agree with me. Flurry and Murray played very well off of each other and Flurry was always in Murray's corner. So like, no matter what, like if, like, let's say Murray was in that and he was having a shit game. Flurry was, would be over there with him being like, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I think you need to improve on. They just really like coached each other up and helped each other out. And I think a lot can be said with the caps in uh, 18 with, uh, Holt being Grubauer, you know, 
I think that they, they both played very well off of each other. And I think that as we get into this next decade of hockey into the uh, 2020s, um, you, you're going to need two good goalies to win a Stanley Cup. You know, like you're going to need a good tandem to be able to come in and play well off of each other and pick each other up because I we're to a point now where I don't see a way that a go, one single goaltender can win 16 games um, with the way the playoffs are. Right. <clears throat> I always have this rule that uh, for a Stanley Cup winning team, the goalie has to or that position has to steal four games within a cup run. So mm-hmm. that could be all in the first round or whatever. It doesn't matter what round it happens. It just needs to, needs to, four games need to be somewhat stolen um, to keep your team in it just because the, the league's so fucking good. Uh, you know, a goalie has to stand on his head, at, you know, or that position needs to stand on their head for like four games and, and steal a game uh, four times for you to win a cup. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. You, you bring up <clears throat> Holtby and Grubauer, but both of those goalies are elite. You know, Murray, Jari, and Flurry are not. They're just fucking garbage. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I I was high on Jari. I had thought that it was the right move to get rid of Murray. Our, I didn't think Matt Murray was a good goaltender outside of like a 20-game spat where he was mm-hmm. just off his, you know, he's just channeling the nether at that point. And it's happened like it happened twice. So it's, it's obvious that he can bottle that, but then he also got injured a bunch and it was just like, I mean, trade stock was down. Um, I thought it was time for him to go, but you know, also the shitty fans of Pittsburgh were terrible to that guy too. Yeah. On the coattails of Mark Andre Fleury, like these fucking Yinzer mouth breathers when, you know, they just couldn't give him the time of day. I could honestly do an entire case study <laughs> on like how people like on how people react to flurry um, not no longer being here. It's absurd. Like I swear I've seen people mourn over family members less than people have mourned over Mark Andre Flurry in the past four years. Yes. I just don't I just don't get it, man. It's it's pathetic. <laughs> All right, that's that's amazing, but uh, <laughs> I guess we shouldn't move on. <laughs> well, the uh, last one, obviously, we're we're talking about. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold this up for the last time. We're gonna see this this season, and uh, if you're a fan, you should be embarrassed um, a little bit. The Montreal swept you um, in the second round, and I know Doug touched on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him take take this because I'm not gonna kill his thunder, but. Um, if the Jets can go do what they did in round one and then do what they did in round two, there's no comparison. But, Doug, I'll let you take that. I'm not going to steal your thunder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the truth is the uh, Montreal Canadiens sweeping the Winnipeg Jets really isn't as telling of, of the Jets as much as it is telling of how god-awful the Edmonton Oilers are. <laughs> um, I just I, – I, I can't believe it, man. You know, I – I've all I've always wondered what the Penguins would look like if they never traded Jordan Stahl, and then I watch an Edmonton game with Ryan Nugent Hopkins just running around doing nothing as their depth piece, and I know why they fucking traded Jordan Stahl. 
every single time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a mess, you know, and speaking of goalie stealing games, Carey Price finally like getting his due in the playoffs. Has he ever been to a final, a conference final? I don't they know. were a couple years back, but it was like a really, really quick exit. I think it was like five games okay. that they lost in. Um, I don't remember what year that was, but a couple years back, I think it might have been the years they made it to the final and lost. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the nice thing about Montreal is they have all those young guys, and they all know how to play playoff hockey. You know, they all know how to show up and rise to the occasion. I mean, everybody talks about just very talking Miami being a draft bust, but he's had way better playoff numbers than some of the guys that he was drafted alongside, you know, and then everybody was worried about Cole Caulfield's size coming into this postseason. And then he makes that amazing pass in overtime to Tyler to fully end the series, you know. I mean, these guys are rising to the occasion and they're stepping up big for their team. And my big thing is, it's like Suzuki and Kakaniemi are both so good that you almost forget about Philip Philip Bonnell. And he's one of the more shut down centers in the league. And they're basically allowing him to just come in and be a role player now where he can go up against a team's most productive line, whether it be their top line or second line and just shut them down. Yeah, and I mean he doesn't do the he doesn't do the flashy stuff, right? He doesn't score all the goals or make the like beautiful plays, but he's he's pitching in every every time he's tits the ice for sure. Trevor, did you yeah. want to say something? I didn't know if you're you looked like you were about I, to there. Montreal, it's just you don't like I said, I talked about like we talked about this with Colorado and Vegas. I you know, you, you'd love to see a team like Montreal, the way they're set up, because when even if you were a person who I mean, all of us watch hockey enough and look into hockey, know the contracts, know the players. But if you're a, if you're one of the people who just 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 watch the games, if you're like a new, let's like, say you're not necessarily a newcomer, one of those people who just watch games. When you look at Montreal, you're like, in your mind, I don't know anybody on this team except Carey Price. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. We yeah. do because we we study hockey, we watch it. But if you're the, if you're a guy who just watches hockey, doesn't look into anything further than just watching the games, the only player you're going to know on that roster is Carey Price. And right in if in those people's eyes, they're like, how in the hell does a team like Montreal get to basically the semifinals when they have complete nobodies? Which they're not nobodies; they're players that are completely showing up all stars because. They're the new and upcoming. They're players that are almost, you, you could say, underrated because they're a lot better than what they, or they're a lot better than what they're actually made out to be. And they're out here proving everybody wrong to beat players like like Mark Shifley, which of course didn't play all series because of what happened. But you're you're beating players like Nikolai Ehlers. You're you're taking out, you know, every, I mean, Hell like you're taking out Toronto. You know, you're, t- you're taking Austin Matthews and everyone like that. You're taking them down with, well, you could say almost nobodies, which again we know they're not, but. I don't know. I mean, Montreal is basically, if you I hate to refer to another sport here, but basically that Cinderella team of a March Madness bracket, they're making a run and they're shutting all the top names down. I mean, you have after the first round, how many, how many top seeds you have knocked out already just by everybody. I mean, you had the Penguins were, were knocked out as a one seed. 
Toronto was knocked out by Montreal as a one seed. Edmonton was taken down by a three seed. And then the three seed got shit on by a four. Like Montreal, Montreal is that Cinderella team. And I'll, and I'll be damned right now. If they took, if they went to the finals over anybody in that West for some wild twist that they would beat either Colorado or Vegas. Fuck it. I'm a Montreal fan for the finals. Uh, damn it. Like seriously, like let's, go, <laughs> so, like let's get Montreal at that point. I'll fucking have a Jersey. Right. So what we've, what we've learned is that the Montreal Canadians are loyal to Chicago and Mark Bergevin is sister Jean. You're damn fucking right. <laughs> Dude. And you know, think about the journey though, of the, the Montreal Canadians, right? Like they, they were like making all these moves, uh, and just basically being laughed at for the past three years. Uh, like Bergevin's a fucking idiot. Like, oh, you know, he's uh, the roids have gone to his head or whatever that is. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> he just, he, he makes all the, you know, I, I am incredibly surprised. Um, I think that Nick Suzuki is a stud and he's got an incredibly bright future. Cole Caulfield as well. Um, something that I completely forgot about Tyler Toffoli has won a cup with, uh, LA. I had thought he was, he came in a year after their cup runs. No, he won. He was a big contributor too. Uh, and that's a low key guy. Who's is a constant, like 40 to 60, 40 to 50 point per year guy. Um, and you know, he's having a great season this, this season, obviously had the OT game winner to sweep. Um, yeah, I mean they they look good. They look well coached as well. You know, honestly, uh, having Carey Price never hurts. But um, it's it's interesting to see. It's interesting. It's definitely interesting to see. But I think we need to address here the elephant in the room, and that's Shifley, who was what Winnipeg's leading scorer mm-hmm. out for. Look, I'm a, I'm a. <laughs> there it is, <laughs> the Shifley jersey. Um, I'm. I'm going to be honest here, man. I mean, look, terrible result of the hit. And that sucks. That really does suck. But uh, Paulie and I talked about it on our podcast and it's like, dude, I was telling Paulie, like, Paulie, if you wouldn't have made that exact play in college, I would have been chirping you on the way back to the bench, calling you like a fucking lazy bitch because you know, you're, you've got to take the body there. People are like, well, you could, you know, go in with the stick and then follow through with the body or you could, dive into the net or something weird like that. But the highest percentage play there is to try to scare the puck holder and uh, basically take the body and finish it off. Uh, You know, there's so many variables when you're chasing a puck. Um, I I cannot blame anything. The only thing that I can say about the Shifley hit was that it was a little high and that's a no, no. So I think he did make some head contact there. Um, And, you know, unfortunately Jake Evans got, very injured and it looked just terrible i don't even think they said he didn't go to the hospital though he just got his bell rung and knocked out momentarily and stretchered off but they said even after all that he didn't go to the hospital um i'm glad that he didn't have to go to the hospital but you know if we're gonna there's the problem with what i had with 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 the suspension and however all this is going as I feel was completely predicated off of the result of the hit. Um, and there's, there's nothing there that you, that the NHL has done to prevent it in the future. Jake Evans was eligible to be hit the entire time that play was going on. And 
players will continue to take to make that hit. And for Shifley, who's never even who's like so doesn't even get penalties to get four games is absolutely bat shit, man. I mean, I what do you guys think that if he's in the lineup for Winnipeg that things change? No, I mean, I think there's definitely a chance um, that things go better because the big thing was, was like Shifley was a big part of like why that top line was going uh, through the uh, first round because yeah. Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been invisible the entire time that, since mm-hmm. he got traded there from Columbus. And big thing I want to touch on the Shifley hit is everybody talks about how he started making strides at the other end of the ice, but it's like, how else are you going to stop him from scoring whenever there's nobody else around? You got to hustle down there and try and make, make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then the whole charge thing, which was new to me, uh, which is weird was it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like if you're churning your feet, it's distance. And that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like the, <laughs> I feel like the fucking NHL rule books written in pencil anyways. So they probably just erased it real quick and just like said, Hey, this is what the rule says. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it is, uh, it's deaf. If I were a Winnipeg fan, I'd probably be way more upset than I am now, as far as, you know, well, what could have happened if, if Shifley had played, you know, getting swept is one thing, but you know, maybe they would have lost, but I mean, come on, save yourself the embarrassment losing five, maybe. I don't know. Um, when you, when you hamstring the leading scorer of a, you take the leading scorer of a team out, uh, and you know, I mean, I had Shifley and Ehlers on my fantasy team this year. They fucking carried me, carried me like to the semifinals of the playoffs. Same here. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they were insane. They were insane, dude. I think they had like, they had close to hundred points combined yeah. this season. It was insane. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I made it to the finals. With, yeah. with with Shifley and Ehlers, and I got beat by a guy who used my my own medicine against me. Every okay. player that I dropped that wasn't producing, he picked up and they began producing, and he used <laughs> it all against me to beat me in the final. <laughs> Every single player, I, I dropped Savard, Mark David David Savard, he picked him up. Yeah, I dropped Drake Batherson, he picked him up. Like it was one <laughs> after another after another, and um. And also not to get off topic, but they were Tampa scored at the at the buzzer at the end of the first to try to make it two nothing, and the goal was under review. I don't think they made a clear dec- declaration on it yet, though. Interesting, interesting. Um, but you know, it is what it is with Montreal and, and Winnipeg. I mean, that's I'm surprised. Uh, definitely a lot of drama this uh, this 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 postseason, and that's why this is the best sport to watch at the best time. Uh, you know, there's not you can't say anything anything better about the NHL playoffs. I mean, this is the best championship tournament probably in all of pro sports. Yeah. Um, not this is to get off topic to a different team. It's not in the playoffs any longer. They were. Um, Doug mentioned before the show that he wanted to speak a little bit about Minnesota, Minnesota Wild. So Doug, I'll throw this one to you now. Go ahead. All right. So I saw a poll this morning that was put up by uh our buddy state of hoppy troll. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So it said, if you had to trade one of them, who are you trading? It's like Kevin Fiala, Joel Erickson, or Kirill. And it's like all that just to keep Matt Dumba. I don't know, man, because like, I feel like you could trade Matt Dumba and maybe another piece with them just to clear money out. And 
you might be able to get a center. Dumba is, well, you know, it's like top tier defensemen are both expensive and rare, right? Highly sought mm-hmm. after on the, on the trade block for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. As a Caps fan, I, I, I know all too well the value of a veteran defenseman. Um, <clears throat> but I don't, I don't see them trading their rookie, you know, the guy who's probably going to win the Calder. Uh, and I don't see them trading a guy that they sought after pretty heavily in Kevin Fiala uh, and is kind of like a piece that they were missing for a long time, that, that top-end young t- a scoring wing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't vote in it. I, I saw the bowl, but I didn't vote in it because I was like too torn. Um, I'm thinking I'm thinking it's Eric, Eric Erickson Eck, though. Um, yeah. I just feel like he doesn't have the name brand recognition that the others do. And the, they don't have as much invested in him. If that makes sense. Cause yeah, no, I get he's saying. not a first round pick. Is he? I think he is. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's right. one of those, it's one of those things where it's kind of like another Nico Koivu situation where perfect situation. He's a third line center on a championship winning team. But with the way Minnesota is, he has to be their number one. Right. right so, right. Um, I don't know, man. I think that uh, I'm going to go off the board and be like, they should trade Dumba because, I mean, you still have Sewer and you still have Jared Spurgeon, who are still both really good top-end defensemen. And I think you could get a top-end center out of Dumba, you know? Like, the thing is, it's just trying to find a fit. But, like, they need a number one center who signed for a couple of years with cheap, with cheap ish term. Like they need some, ah, dude, I don't know, man. (laughs) We, we got into this pretty extensively where it's like, what's the trade market going to be like for him? Hey, I could see, I could see doing like a Columbus hockey trade type deal for like Domi and maybe some other pieces, but like, I don't know, man. I just don't – just because of, like, everything that's happened with him recently. I mean, he broke COVID protocol a couple of times, right? Yeah. Well, so they yeah. say that. Uh, or they, yeah, they pro- claim it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he uh, – so here's the thing. Kuznetsov, you know, a couple years ago got caught with blow or what may or may not have been blow. And, you yeah. know, because people just organize their sugar, their powdered sugar in, in lines on a hotel, a messy hotel, like fucking uh, bed with like some passed out hooker in the fucking bed with them. But I I, yeah. I, I think, and I shouldn't say hooker, I think it was actually like somebody's wife. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and then this season, okay, so since 2018, his con possibly con Smythe, you know, worthy performance in the playoffs. He's been dog shit. I mean, he's not dog shit, but from the, it's, it's very much the Evgeny Malkin uh, syndrome, right? You know how good this player is. You've seen them completely take over seasons, games, playoffs. And then when they don't have, when they don't do that every day, you know, you're kind of left scratching your head. Like what the fuck, man? And I think that that's, that's what Kuznetsov has fallen victim of. Then this, this season, uh, you know, he and Ovi and Orlov and Sammy were all, I don't know, 
eating borscht and drinking vodka in one of the rooms and they, they get under the COVID protocol, but, but he actually catches it. Then late in the season, him and Sammy are like late to a team function, which I guess is breakfast or something late to a team function meeting. And then he gets COVID again. Like he gets suspended by the team and then he gets COVID again. Um, and then he comes back for the playoffs and is not very good. I, I don't, I want us to figure it out with Kuznetsov, but I feel like he might have worn out his welcome. Uh, you know, we're not going to trade Samsonov, who is supposed to be our franchise goalie. Uh, mm-hmm. And we have to keep him anyways for the expansion draft. But um, yeah, I'm not uh uh, as far as trade stock goes, I mean, we were talking to Carl Alsner and he was like, dude, it's crazy how negative press. I mean, look at Taylor Hall. Perfect example. Perfect example this year. Taylor Hall, you know, he's in Buffalo. He's pouty. You know, this is a guy that's like, what, two, three years away from taking the entire shit show that was the New Jersey Devils, put him on his back and take him to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an MVP of the league and you're going to count him out in two years two, three years and say like, okay, well, yeah, this is not, you know, never, he's never going to be good again. No, he goes to Boston. He's lighting it up. Right. I mean, he's doing well, at least as a rental. So trade trade. Yeah. I don't know. I've have literally no idea what the caps are going to do with Kuznetsov and I'm not sure where the hell he's going to land, but I just hope that we get a good return for him. If, if we do ship him. Yeah, I think, you know, I was just looking at his stats and I think we're the, the Caps might be at a point where they might need to just take a year and bet on him because he's been in the league seven years. Five of the seven years have been 50 points or above. And three of them, he scored at least 75 points. You know, like 18-19 and then 19-20, both back-to-back seasons, he was unreal. Um, and I think... They need to make it work with him because they have some really good core pieces. Now, I don't know who you guys will end up losing in expansion, but, like, you, you have Anthony Mantha. You know, Ovi's going to come back, God willing. Um, right. Wilson is – honest to God, Tom Wilson's a 30-goal scorer in this league when he's not being a shithead. Right. You know, like, the team has potential to be okay. It's just – they need to get Koozie to buy back in and uh, keep himself like on the wagon. Yeah. yeah the, the thing is, is that if it comes down to it and the caps do need to move someone, they're not moving Laviolette. You know, if it's a coaching problem, if it's a, yeah. they're not moving him, we just got him. And uh, yeah. it was clear that we needed him. Uh, so you know, and Lavi gets to move one key player. You know, it's like every GM gets one coaching change. I feel like one every every veteran coach gets to do like one fucked up thing to the lineup, uh, whatever it is. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's gonna it's it's a shitty, it's the worst, it's a bad conundrum for for the off season and and a really bad look for the Caps because, like you said, when we have Kuznetsov and he's even playing like seventy five percent, eighty percent. We have a Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Lars Eller, one, two, three punch. And then we have Nick Dowd as the fourth line center, which you, you can't hate that. I mean, the guys, the guys chipping in offensively and he's winning faceoffs. So 
Brutal. Yeah. But. And I mean, with the caps, that fourth line is really, really good. I was surprised. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it rivals the Bluger line really well. Um, I mean, I know a lot of stats and analytical communities like really hype up the Penguins fourth line, but mm-hmm. like, I really like what the caps have going there. I like, I like the physicality, right? I mean, that, that's, mm-hmm. they're out there to beat people up and then keep the puck in your own zone and play, play keep away. Um, though it's like every two cycles, they, they funnel a puck to the net and towards the end of the season, they were cashing in on those, which is awesome to see. I mean, that's, yeah. that's exactly what you want from a fourth line. Um, and I definitely think that they could, they did a decent job shutting down that, that quote unquote perfection line. Um, you know, so they shared duties with Lars Eller's line there at the end, but then we were just too, we were just too, too sapped, too beat up to, uh, to really do any good matching up of, of lines. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope that, I hope they, I mean, they're, they're in, they're locked in, they're cheap. I mean, Hags, Hathaway and, and Dowd, I don't think any of them makes more than like 1.5 million. So uh, they'll, they'll be there for a while. Um, so, yeah. I had a, yeah, one definitely. Thing, one thing to bring up too, you guys. I didn't. Uh, I want to talk about the last couple of shows we did, but there's been a lot of playoff stuff going on to bring it in. Um, some of these teams that a lot of us would consider, you know, bad, <laughs> haven't been great at all over uh, these past couple of years. That kind of were lighting it up at the end of the season, before right before the playoffs. I'm, I'm talking mm-hmm. teams that were a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't say we underestimated, but they did a lot better than we expect them to. Teams like Detroit. Um, the Rangers turned it around. They almost would have made playoffs if Panarin wouldn't have been destroyed. Um, maybe it's a possibility. Um, and you had a team like what I wanted to say, Ottawa, Ottawa didn't finish last in the North. They almost, if, if Calgary wouldn't have had those last couple of games to play with Vancouver, they would have finished in fifth out of the seventh, right below Montreal. And as we said, Montreal was the last team to make the playoffs. And Ottawa, say, might have had a chance. You know, they were getting closer to having a chance because they had a better team this year. So what I wanted to basically put out to you guys is some of those teams that have been pretty terrible over the last couple of years, we've seen a few of them kind of turn it around at the end of the season. What do you think is in store for some of those teams like a Detroit or Ottawa come next season? Um, I think the Rangers will make the playoffs next year, and I think the Penguins are out. So... <laughs> that's just me. Uh, I see Doug's already over there. Like, nah, nah. <laughs> um, the penguins shouldn't have made the playoffs this year. They shouldn't have made the playoffs two years ago. I don't know what the fuck happened. Um, you know, having a, having the shortened season benefited the penguins the most out of all of the teams in the NHL. And then on top of that, they had like the easiest second half of the entire league. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy, but um no, I think I think the Rangers make the playoffs next year. Honestly, um, I think Ottawa's still got a way to ways to go. But honestly, uh, they it depends on what they do in the off season. I don't think they're ready to make any crazy moves, but they got a ton of cap to throw around. Um, and then, you know, you you look at a team like New Jersey and you're like, mm, I don't know yet. I can't I can't give it to them so far. I think that they are, they're in a bit of turmoil. Um, they need to figure some things out in the Metro at least. And uh, up North, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that I think that's probably my hot my hot take there. I'm, I'm more metro focused at this point. Doug, how about you? I really like where Ottawa is at in their rebuild. Um, just given like the ownership and like wh- how Pierre Dorian has been at times in the GM role, they've done really, really good. And, you know, they have another top 10 pick this year. Guys are going to slide, not simply because of the draft, not because the draft class is deep per se, but like there's so many teams that have oddly specific needs within like the lottery that they might be able to get a, a damn good player at 10th overall, you know? I think they're going to um, get a- say, say what you're going to say. Do you think they're going to go after a goalie? Ottawa. Dude, if Jesper Wallstead doesn't get drafted sixth overall by Detroit, Ottawa has to be chomping at the bit at that because I've read some articles and have seen some videos that have said that he's more NHL ready than Spencer Knight and Yaroslav Askarov both were on their draft night. And seeing how Spencer Knight was at times this year for the uh, Panthers and in the playoffs, you have to be going for that. Sure. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Interesting. Because like, I feel like that's the last piece of the puzzle. Like that's the last part of the process is finding a goalie that can be their franchise guy. Right, right, right. I always like to build the team from the net out, but um, <clears throat> you know, you can't always do that, especially when uh, you're the Ottawa senators in the way that they've done it. So mm-hmm. um <clears throat> Yeah. And hey. the uh, TK, go ahead. No, you go. You go ahead. All right. The Rangers are going to turn heads next year. They're going to be really, really good. Um, obviously, there's a lot of rumors that they're going to get in on Jack Eichel. Um, I could see it. I don't know how they're going to do it without, you know, doing something seismic. But uh, I mean, the big thing for them is they're going to, they're going to replace David Quinn. And it's probably going to be a coach who's more lean towards coaching younger players, um, you know, and you're going to have a lot of good pieces. I mean, you're going to have Vitaly Kravtsov up there. Um, Morgan Barron's another one of their young guys who is uh, highly touted, who's going to come up and probably do big things for them in their bottom six. And then, you know, you have Keandre Miller, guys like that, Ryan Lindgren on defense as well, that um, are going to help turn this thing around. And, we, we just talked about building from the net out, but like out of all of the teams that are like in a rebuild or close to playoff contention, they probably have the best goalie of, of, of the bunch in Igor Shesterkin. So, yeah, I agree. And Georgiev is, is a good one, two punch. You know, they've like two yeah. young, good goalies. Um, and another defense and all thrown is there's like Adam Fox. That kid looks like a fucking stud. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. New York, New York's scary, man. They, I know that just from their matchups with the Caps this year and in the past couple years, you know, um, that's been quite a rivalry in the past. Caps Rangers, but um, I they do not match up well against us as far as, uh, or we do not match up against against them very well. They're they're speedy. They move the puck. They're super creative, and and things just fall for them sometimes. I mean, it's it's they're they're good. And their goaltending is really good. What I wanted to throw out to you guys is um, 
and this is this is still a little early, but if you had to based on who's left and the way things are going, if you had to make your playoff your Stanley Cup final prediction right now, who 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 is it? I think smart money's on Tampa, Colorado. Again, Tampa again at least. Um though, you know, I mean if the Islanders somehow eke in there or if if Montreal ekes in, you're right, man. I gotta go for the underdog. Uh if the Islanders make it to the Stanley Cup finals, I don't care who they're playing. I'm 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 in I'm in Barry Trotz's corner. Um same with like you said with Montreal. So yeah. That's, that's of it. course. That's of course. If, if now it's if it's Mon- well, uh, Montreal wouldn't play Colorado in a final. But if that was the case, I'd be rooting for for Colorado. But you know, um, yeah. But either, like, I'm with you. either either team. The underdog's gonna get the uh, the vote for me unless Colorado's in there. <laughs> Where are you, Doug? Uh, this postseason has proven to me that I know nothing about hockey. <laughs> so we're gonna go. We're going to go Islanders, Canadians, Stanley Cup final. Wow. And okay. it is going to be, you know, to the average fan, it's going to be a snooze fest, but I'm going to be loving it because I'm one of those people. I love like weird hockey. Like, for instance, this, the uh, Stanley Cup final that got me into hockey was Carolina Edmonton in 06. <laughs> so, like, post lockout. Wow. Yeah, that was what got me into hockey. And I don't know, my brother just started watching. He's like, I kind of like, he's like, I like the Hurricanes because Jordan Stahl's brother brother plays for the Hurricanes. And it's kind of like how we got into hockey. So I might, I don't know if I ever, Doug, do you, do you know my, my dream Stanley Cup matchup at the conferences or when the conferences are back? My dream Stanley Cup matchup, which is off the wall, involves one of your teams that you like, though, Doug, would be, out of the west, out of the Western Conference comes comes Minnesota Wild, and out of the Eastern Conference comes the fucking Buffalo Sabers. That would be my <laughs> that's my dream Stanley Cup matchup is Minnesota Buffalo because that's one of those things would be like everybody in the hockey world would be like, fuck it, these are two teams who never get there. Let's just fucking let's let's fucking root for both of them and see who the fuck wins. Yeah, <laughs> like dude. that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> the Islanders versus the Wild in a Stanley wow. Cup final would be something to watch. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> so, real quick, we were talking about teams that are close in their rebuild, and we completely forgot about the Los Angeles Kings. They yeah, are close. I was going to say that. I mean, where they got Byfield now. Um, mm-hmm. They got I Alex mean, Turcotte, too. Yeah, who's their, who's their goalie? Cal Peterson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's decent. Interesting. Yeah. They uh, – I, I didn't get to watch a lot of the I, – dude, I mean, with the podcast and everything and how the divisions were this year and how accelerated the schedule was, I had very little time to be watching any other hockey, which is kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really in my own little bubble with, uh, with the Mass Mutual East uh, mm-hmm. division, if you will. So – um, I, I agree. I mean, you know, maybe it's for these teams that are on the come, maybe it's better that there's these like kind of shortened seasons. Everybody kind of stays healthy. All the young guys are getting their, you know, they're, they're cutting their teeth, but they're, they're, uh, staying healthy. And then, you know, the draft happens in quick succession. So you're kind of gathering assets as well, like in NHL caliber players. 
Yeah, I, I agree, you know. And something just came across my phone this morning that um, the Kings are going, like, big game hunting. They're trying to get some star players in there. And I think that they're a dark horse team for Jack Eichel because they're so loaded that they could probably pull it off without touching Byfield or Turcotte. Yeah, and who doesn't want to play in L.A.? with uh uh dude have you read did you guys read sean avery's book or i listened to it like book on like audiobook i have not okay i mean the worst part about sean avery's book and the audiobook is that he narrates it so that's terrible but yeah that um, is pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) but he's like dude la is is a fucking madhouse like you're never going out on warmups, bucket off. It's like, or bucket on, like you're always, you're always bucket off, like gel in the hair, like making sure everything looks good because you're in LA um, and how beautiful it was. And, you know, you've access to movie stars and whatnot. So maybe, maybe Jack Eichel needs to get out of that hell hole that is Buffalo and come to a real city and, and reignite his, his, his love for the game. Maybe. Um, I like it. Any other last topics we want to touch on before we wrap up? Uh, no, go Caps next year. Uh, <laughs> I'm just super pumped. Uh, thanks to guys. Thanks, thanks you guys again for uh, for inviting me on. This has been awesome. Awesome talk. Yeah, well, we appreciate having you, man. Um, as as always, you know, thank you for all of our viewers. Uh, we appreciate you guys. You can subscribe on YouTube and. Uh, Everywhere you get your podcast, there's the audio and video version, as always. But um, on behalf of myself, Doug, and our special guest, the Hockey Troll, thank you guys. And we uh, we will um, keep watching hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a good one, guys.